think I know everybody in here, but my name's Lanny, uh, if, if I haven't met you. And we are continuing our parenthood seminar. I think this is our eighth week. And today we're talking about boys and fatherhood. So the next two weeks, uh, we're going to focus a little more on gender-specific things. So the first seven weeks have been kind of universal principles that you could apply uh, both girls and boys and uh, principles for both moms and dads. Today we're focusing a little more on the boys. So uh, how do we raise boys? How do we think about that? How do we make them, uh, form them, help form them into godly men? What's our role in that? How do we steward our fatherhood? Uh, How do we think about that? So ladies, next week is your turn, so don't feel left out. We're not going to ignore you, okay? So next week is going to be about daughters and mothers. Um, of course, all of this is still very rel- relevant to all the moms in here and and girls uh, because you help enable all this. And uh, you, you helped encourage gently and sometimes not so gently us dads to, like, do our job and be dads and, and quit being wimps. And so... Um, you play a big role in this. And, of course, you're raising boys who are going to be men and fathers. So when uh, let's just pray real quick, and then we'll kind of jump in. Father, we just thank you for uh, allowing us to be here this morning. We thank you for this body of believers. Uh, we thank you that you have given us so many children to raise and grandchildren and spiritual children, that uh, we are a church who's blessed with um, so many little ones, we know that that's a blessing, and, and we just thank you for that. Help us to uh, just honor you in the way that we raise them, love them, serve them, and we just pray that they would grow up to be men and women of God who live lives for you, and uh, whatever that may look like, Lord, it's uh, that they would, that you would use them for your purposes and your good, and that they would glorify you through all that they do. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So, kind of when Ryan uh, or texted us these topics, I jumped on this one, not because I'm an expert, because I need a lot of help. And I've always found that whenever I have a, a subject that I'm struggling with or don't know as much as I know about, it helps me to teach it. I mean, I I learned so much through teaching, and I hope that I can pass along a few of the things that I've learned. My parenthood journey began with three precious little girls. They're not so little anymore, a couple teenagers right here. Um, And then, so, like, when the third girl came along, I really kind of felt like I had parenthood figured out. You know, I, I was beginning to, like, be able to navigate the labyrinth of female emotions. I didn't understand them, but I could navigate them. Uh, I knew how to brush hair, play dolls, uh, all the things that girls uh, like to do. I felt like I was getting pretty good at it. I was finding my groove. And then number four comes along, which was kind of a surprise to us all. We weren't really uh, planning. Uh, but but he came along, and uh, everything changed because he's different. He's, he's real different. He's, like, super wild, rambunctious, rowdy and dirty. He's just dirty all the time. And so if you've raised a boy, I know you can relate. He recently, This summer, he kind of nicknamed himself 
dirty rooster. We have chickens, and so he sees that the chickens take dirt baths, and that's kind of the way he operates. So it fits well. So I need help, okay? Raising boys is, is difficult for me, and I didn't think it would be because I'm a boy, you know, and I understand what that's like, but, but for some reason it's been a little more difficult for me. Um, so this week, like I said, we're kind of looking at uh, specifics on raising boys. This week, next week will be girls. And I guess the question we need to ask ourselves is, does it make a difference? Anybody who's raised boys and girls, did, did you raise them differently? Anybody have anything to add to that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, did you did you think about um, what their roles would be later in life, and did you kind of raise them accordingly to that? Did you think about that intentionally, or maybe unintentionally? You know, you just had that in your mind, and and so they are different. You know, as much as our culture likes to blur this line. Uh, these days, they're, they're certainly different, and so the way we raise them is going to be different. Also, the way we approach it matters also on if we're male or female, right? Dads have a, a different approach and a different calling than moms do, and so we have different roles, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, so, We're going to kind of talk about the differences in God's purpose in making boys and girls who are going to become mothers and fathers. Uh, we're going to just, like I said, review the big picture on God's ideas on gender, uh, which I said shouldn't be confusing, but for some reason it is in our culture today. Um, we're going to talk about the roles and responsibilities God has given men. Uh, and at the same time, how we can teach our boys to live these out, because really we're not raising boys, we're raising men. And uh, again, next week, ladies, we're going to be talking about daughters and mothers. So what is God's big picture on gender? Um, I think we can say this, and and this might be in your handout or it might not, but we could say that God intends to display his image differently through men and women who are created equally in his image. Okay, I'll just say that again. God intends to display his image differently through men and women who are created equally in his image. Uh, The point about equality is critical, right? So we look at Genesis 127. It says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Uh, Wayne Grudem, who's like a theologian, kind of speaking about this verse, he says this. He says, Every time we talk about each other as men and women, we should remember that the person we are talking about is more like God than anything else in the universe, and that men and women who, and, and that men and women share that status equally. Therefore, we should treat men and women with equal dignity, knowing that men and women have equal value to God. So I just thought that was really good to kind of uh, help us with that point that Men and women are equal in God's eyes but have different roles, okay? And so we would also say that men and women aren't interchangeable, right? We're built differently. We're, we're built for different roles, for different purposes. We have different strengths 
and weaknesses. There are certainly things that my wife can do that are absolutely impossible for me. I can't grow a baby. Uh, I can't keep that baby alive after it's delivered, you know, with my body. I can't do that. Uh, my wife has instincts that, that I don't possess. Um, she has a patience that I don't possess. Um, so the biblical idea that we see when we look at Scripture is that men and women complement one another. We're each other's counterpart, and that's the way that uh, God has made us and built us. John Popper once wrote that in God's design, that the weakness of man are not the weaknesses, are not weaknesses, and weaknesses of women are not weaknesses. They are complements to call forth different strengths in each other so that together they are strong. So we talk about this design as well as in terms of headship and submission. I mean, we see that in Scripture. We see that in marriage where the husband is described as the head of the wife. We see that in Ephesians chapter 5. We see that uh, in the context of the church where men are authorized to teach and lead. We see that in in, uh, Timothy chapter 1. Of course, that those positions don't, extend equally to like every aspect of life right so you might be in a workplace where your uh, boss is female and so you would be called to be subordinate to her in the workplace in the context of your job and so uh, we're not saying that that submission headship uh, model is for all aspects of life but we see that within marriage uh, and within the church in certain aspects So, authority and submission only go so far. Uh, They they don't really tell us what men and women are to be doing while the man occupies a position of authority and the women occupy a position of submission. So, in the Bible, the complementary design of men and women is also fleshed out in their roles, in their activities. Like, how do we live this out in day-to-day life? What, What role do men play? And how do we cultivate that role in boys? And that's what we're going to be focusing on today. And really, how do we live that out as fathers? How do we model that for them? So, what are men and women created to do? Like, we, there's a, a long, long, long list that we could talk about. Uh, and specifically today, we're focusing on men. But uh, one author kind of puts it this way. And we're just going to really focus on this quote today and, and break this down, and that's, that's how we're going to go through this. And I think it's in the, on the second page of your handout, and it says this. At the heart of mature masculinity is a sense of benevolent responsibility to lead, provide for, and protect women in ways appropriate to a man's differing relationships. So we would say that men are called to mature masculinity and being maturely masculine, men should have a sense of benevolent responsibility to lead, provide, and protect the women in their life and the women that they're surrounded with in ways that are appropriate to those relationships. So whether it's in a marriage, whether it's a father and daughter, whether it's a brother and sister, whether it's brothers and sisters within the church, um, that's what men are called to. So Let's talk about mature masculinity. What is that? 
when we say that, when we use that term. Um, so for our boys, we don't want just any form of masculinity, right? We want mature masculinity. There's plenty of immature masculinity in the world today, right? And there always has been. Our, our current culture kind of favors three types of men, and you'll see all these men uh, probably in your life. You can think about this, and, and maybe you see some of this in yourself, but we kind of have the wimp, right? That's one type of, of man that we have. We have the goofball, and then we have the thug, and we can kind of think about it that way. So we don't want our boys to be wimpy men right? This is kind of the man who's has can't make a decision. Uh, he's, he's led around by his mom or his spouse. Uh, he kind of delegates all of the decision-making and all the leadership uh, to someone else. Um, probably someone who grew up with an overprotective and overbearing mom. A lot of times that's the case. Not always, but we, we see that a lot the helicopter mom who won't allow her son to face any hardship and makes all his decisions, well, he's probably going to look for a spouse like that, right, who wants to dominate his life. And uh, he just is willing to let that happen. So we don't want to raise boys who, who live that way. The goofball, this is the guy who just has fun, and his life is all about having fun. So whether it's like playing video games all the time or at the golf course all the time or uh, in the woods hunting, all things I like to do, my, minus the video games, but I have a lot of hobbies. Um, and so this is the fun guy, you know, and, and it, life is all about fun for him. And really, the spiritual leadership, ah, that's kind of a female thing. You know, I'm, I'm the fun guy. That's not really anything I'm going to do. Uh, I'm just going to kind of let my wife uh, lead spiritually. I'm going to let my wife kind of take care of the kids. They're kind of there for me every once in a while when I can have fun with them, but that's really all I'm about. So that's the goofball. And then you have the thug, right? This is the guy, not necessarily thug in the gangster sense that, that we might be thinking about, but the thug that's like domineering. He's, he's insensitive. He's authoritarian. He's uh, condescending, you know, critical. The, the one who just comes home and he wrecks shop every day, like nothing's enough for him. The house isn't clean enough. His kids aren't aren't doing well enough in school. Um, that's the thug. You know, that's what he's about. You know, he's going to rule his household with an iron fist, and uh, everybody's going to do what he says all the time, or there will be consequences, right? So we don't want to raise men like that either, right? So what do we want to raise? Um, we want to raise mature, masculine men, and so... Um, we want to point out to them when we see portrayals of immature masculinity, right? So the girls used to love Peppa Pig. Has anybody ever watched Peppa Pig? Well, this is when we were in England, and so it was really big over there. But um, the dad is a cartoon. The dad on Peppa Pig was like a buffoon. You know, he, they just made fun of him all the time. He was like this goofy idiot and and you see like if you watch kids shows i don't know if you've watched many but if you watch them with your kids dads now are portrayed as buffoons the moms are strong dads are idiots and uh, the kids kind of make fun of them all the time so be careful with that and when you see that point it out you know point it out to your kids like this is not mature masculinity this isn't what god has uh 
has planned for for uh, men, and uh, so those are those are opportunities to point those things out. Okay. Pray for mature masculinity in your sons. Pray for that. Uh, from the beginning, pray for that. Um, I've always prayed for Wyatt that that not real specifically, but that God would make him a great man of God, that he would be a great man of God. And so I don't really care about his occupation. I, I really don't. I don't care what he does. Uh, I, don't, I don't care about uh, a lot of things. But I know that if he's a great man of God, if his life's about honoring God, that he's going to provide. He's going to provide for his family. He's going to love them, and he's going to lead them and protect them. And, and he will be a man who honors God with his life. And so pray for that in your sons. Pray that they have an impact for the kingdom with their life. Uh, for fathers, you know, the best way to raise masculine sons is to be maturely masculine yourself, is to embody that, to intentionally practice daily what that means, you know, in your life. Your marriage that's, that's one of the best places you can do it. One author wrote that the most effective fathers and husbands, the most effective fathers are husbands who make it their aim to love their wives biblically. Your sons need to see that. And, and if we're loving our wives biblically, which none of us do perfectly, but if we're striving for that, they, they're going to get a picture of Christ, the way Christ loves his church. That's what scripture tells us, right? And so we're preaching the gospel to them through that. Not just to our sons, but obviously to our daughters as well. But they need to see that. They need to see that model. Moms, you need to be spouses who enable your husbands to do this. You can't, uh, you have to allow them to do that. And, and so uh, we, we want to think about that as well. Dads, we need to think about how much we're giving away to our family. Are we holding on to all of our, our hobbies? Are we holding on to our rest? Are we holding on to our work so tightly that, that we're not making space for being this kind of father? Now, like I said, I have a lot of hobbies. I, I enjoy a lot of different things. And so um, some of those have had to die. Some of them have had to suffer. Uh, and, and, and that's okay for this season of life. It's definitely okay. So we need to be able to show sacrifice. That's mature masculinity. Um, so in this definition that we're talking about, we're talking about having this sense of benevolent responsibility, okay? And so when we're raising boys, maybe they haven't got to this point yet, or obviously they haven't got to this point yet where they have like a family to take care of, all these things, but they can still have this sense of responsibility in their life? Are they going to be the one that takes care of sisters? Are they going to be the one that takes care of mom? Uh, when you're not around, are they going to be the, the protector for the family? Are they, do they have a sense of that? Are we building that into them? Are they beginning to feel that kind of at a deeper level? Um, do we have that sense as dads? Do, do we think about that? How, how that we're responsible for our family. Uh, we're kind of kind of defining benevolence. What is benevolence? Uh, I think it's one definition you could use 
is it's using one's strength to do good for others, okay? So God's given you these talents. He's blessed you with certain strengths. Are you using those for your own gain? Are you using those to strengthen others for the good of others? So that's what we mean when we're talking about benevolence. Responsibility. This word responsibility, it shows us that that this masculinity is a God-given trust. It's something God's given to us. He's trusting us with us. It's a duty. It's an obligation. Uh, as men, we're uniquely called to account for our leadership within the family. We're, we're called to account for the provision and protection uh, of our family. We see this in Genesis 3-9 when God says to Adam, where are you? After the fall, he's, he's calling Adam to give an account. We know that Eve kind of sinned first, but Adam's the first to give account for the moral life of his family. This is the picture we see throughout Scripture as men. We're, we are called to give account for our families. So how does this relate to our sons? We need to begin to teach them responsibility, right? Not only for themselves and their rooms, and, and it starts kind of with themselves, right? You know, clean your room. Clean yourself up. Take care of your things. But as they get older, we need to uh, have them begin to take responsibility for others and other things um, to use their, their gifts and their talents, talents for, for others. Um, they need to be able to take responsibility for the care of their siblings at times, uh, for the care of their friends, uh, pets. That's a great way for them to begin to take responsibility. Now, in my family, it's a little tricky because Wyatt's the youngest, right? And so uh, I'm not going to leave him in charge of the household uh, at this point. But I do want him to have this sense of, like, I'm here to protect and serve my mom. I'm here to protect and serve my sisters. I want to just kind of see those behaviors begin to take place. As dads, do we, do we see that God has trusted us with this? If we have a family, uh, do we feel the weight of that? And I, I believe that we should. Do we talk about this with our family, that, that God has given us this responsibility? Do we share this with our sons and daughters? Do we talk about how we're weak and we're not often, we don't often have the strength to do this well? But do we talk about how Christ does and how he gives us strength and how when we fail, he doesn't? Do you ask for forgiveness when you fall short? Being a dad, being a maturely masculine dad is saying sorry a lot. And uh, I think that, that that's one thing that immature masculinity doesn't do. It's bravado. It's not being able to say I'm sorry. Uh, if you're a dad, you need to be saying you're sorry probably more than you're actually doing it. I know I do more than I actually do it. But uh, apologizing to your spouse, apologizing to your kids when you fall short. So we need to be able to do that. Are you asking your kids to pray for you as you lead? To, to ask them to pray that, to give you strength? And are you praying in front of them asking God to give you strength to lead? So are you a constant source of good in your home? We need to think about this. Are you too busy? 
Are are you present? Uh, are you more interested in your iPhone or the or the football game on TV, the video game? Are you more interested in that, or or are you more interested in your family? So all questions we need to ask ourselves and reflect on. Okay, so we have the sense of benevolent responsibility to, we talked about to lead, to provide, and to protect. So let's talk a little bit about leadership. Uh, because when we hear the word leadership, a lot of different things pop into our mind. But let's talk about what biblical leadership looks like. And, of course, we look to Christ as the example. And what did Christ do? Christ served and sacrificed. And so if we are to lead in any aspect of our lives, it's certainly within our homes, but in the workplace, wherever we lead, it's a call to, to serve and sacrifice. And so we need to think about that. So leadership is not demeaning behavior. It, it, it's, it's moving forward towards a goal. And uh, when we think about Jesus, we think about how he led. Uh, at times he looked weak. Of course he wasn't weak, but at times he looked weak, even though he was infinitely strong. Um, and sometimes that's a part of mature manhood, mature masculinity, being weak at times. So, of course, we want to train our boys to move forward, to move other people forward, to lead in that way by self-sacrifice. So leadership doesn't presume superiority, but it cultivates and mobilizes the, the strength of others. So leadership is making other people strong and moving them forward. Leadership doesn't have to initiate every action, but it should feel the responsibility to provide a general pattern of initiative. So kind of John Popper talks about it this way. He says, the leadership pattern would be less than biblical if the wife in general was having to take the initiative in prayer at mealtime and get the family out of bed on Sunday morning and gather the family for devotionals and discuss what moral standards will be required of the children and confer about financial priorities. The wife may initiate the discussion and planning of any one of these, but if she becomes the one who senses the general responsibility for this pattern of initiative while her husband is passive, something contrary to biblical masculinity and femininity is going on. So it's not that your wife can't initiate these things, but she shouldn't feel the burden of overall initiative. That should be on us as men, as, as husbands and fathers. So how do we make our boys leaders? What are some practical things we can do? Well, first of all, we have to give them opportunities to lead. And sometimes we see, I think in our culture today, an overprotectionism of kids uh, and an overcoddling, and uh, we don't want them to fail. Well, kids have to fail. The only way they're going to become leaders is, is to gain confidence. The only way to gain confidence is to fail and overcome failure. And so any great leader that you can think of in your mind had, had many failures, okay? And so we have to give them opportunities to fail. We have to give them opportunities to lead. So this starts small, right? I mean, when they're, when they're little, that, that could be have them begin leading prayer time around the dinner table, okay? It could be something like having them lead lead you on a walk through the woods 
uh, things like that when they're small. Obviously, as they grow older, those are going to be bigger and bigger things. You know, they might begin to lead your family devotionals at times, okay? They might be leading their siblings and caring for them when, when you're away. Um, they might be leading you on some, like, crazy expedition to the Grand Canyon or something. I don't know, but, but that leadership will, will grow as they get older. Um, it's really, really important to bring them around men who you admire as leaders. Okay, just have them spend time with these men. Uh, my, you know, the saying that more is taught than taught is true. I mean, you learn so much more just being around people who are doing this well. I know as a dad, I learn a whole lot from being around great dads. Uh, not necessarily them telling me what to do, by, but just by watching them. And so as fathers, get around fathers who you admire uh, and get your sons around those men. Um, and this isn't necessarily about personality, right? Some kids are born more quiet, a little more, a little more meek. Some kids are more boisterous and loud. Um, that's really not an excuse for not being a leader. If 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 a boy's a little more shy or quiet, and you might have to push some uh, out a, a little more. Sometimes you're reining them in. Sometimes you're pushing them out, uh, and that that depends on the personality. Um, Al Mohler says this about, he says that every boy should have a number of qualities, and, and one of those qualities is verbal maturity. This is kind of a quote from one of his books. He says, a man must be able to speak, to be understood, and to communicate in a way that will honor God and convey God's truth to others. Beyond the context of conversation, a boy must learn to speak before larger groups, overcoming the natural intimidation and fear that comes from looking at a crowd, opening one's mouth and projecting words. Although not all men will become public speakers, every man should have the ability to take his ground, frame his words, and make his case when truth is under fire and when belief and conviction must be translated into argument. So how does the military develop leadership and officers? A lot of you think, I mean, a lot of people think it's a lot of, like, hardcore stuff, obstacle courses. And, yeah, you do that stuff, but you know most of what you do in officer, like, leadership school is you give presentations. You speak and create ideas and uh, speak before a crowd. That's a whole lot of what you do. It's kind of crazy. Um, but that's how we create uh, leaders in a lot of ways, and we have to push our kids towards this. We have to find opportunities for this in their lives. Al Mohler says that boys must have character maturity sufficient to demonstrate courage under fire and biblical maturity sufficient to lead at some level in the church. And so that's, that's our goal for, for our boys. Some practical ways to do this, okay? Have them speak with adults often. Uh, adults in this church, make sure you're speaking to the kids. Uh, make sure uh, they're looking you in the eye. Call them to that, right? Um, have them speak with adults. The church is a great place for that. Um, don't speak for your children, right? Let them speak for themselves. Don't be worried about if, they, if they're going to say something crazy or embarrassing. It's okay. They're kids. But don't speak for them. Don't speak over them. Require them to order their own food at a restaurant. 
to look the waiter or waitress in the eye. Uh, learn, uh, encourage them to ask questions of adults. Um, have them check out for themselves when they want something at Walmart or Dollar General or whatever. It's great if they use their own money that they earn, but even if you're buying it for them, uh, have them check out for themselves. And that teaches them, hey, this stuff costs money. They have to see it be rung up. Um, we have to model this for our boys, okay? We have to speak clearly to other adults. They need to see us getting in conversations with people, conversations that have substance. Uh, they need to just sit around and listen to that. You know, sometimes I know Jared talks about, like, maybe sitting around the campfire at, at deer camp and listening to some mature men talk and how that was formative for him. Put your kids in opportunity. Give them opportunities like that. Um, and also, as fathers, just remember that we're mo- we have to model this for them, right? Remember that you're the thermostat in your household. Uh, are you leading? There, there's kind of a quote that if you're if you're a father, you're always leading, even if it's poor leadership. So you're leading toward good good things, good attitudes. You're leading towards bad things, and I see that in my own house. When I come home and I'm grumpy, and and I've had a bad day, and I start snapping at people. Guess what? Everybody everybody follows suit, and, and pretty soon everybody's just yelling at everybody. And, and that's on me. Uh, and so remember that as, as men when you come home. Uh, think about how you're leading your wife again. Think about how you lead your kids. Um, and this is a proactive thing, okay? And so some, some ideas are have your kids, like, make a prayer list of, of what they're concerned about and then pray through that with them. Ha- make time for those types of conversations. Uh, sit down with your wife and, and, and maybe every month or every few months or, or maybe every six months, sit down and talk about, hey, how's my kid, how's it going with this kid? You know, how, how can we develop them better? What are some opportunities uh, for their development that we can, that we can get into? Um, plan, kind of plan your year out with, with your spouse as, as much as you can. Uh, kids thrive on routine. It's not something we've always been good at, but but it is a, a good thing to, to plan and schedule. Um, plan your father and son outings, your daddy-daughter dates, your vacations. Maybe even plan like your Saturday pancakes uh, and, and certainly plan your, your nightly devotions. Okay. Where else are we leading our kids? Obviously... As men, we should be leading them in, in family worship. We should be leading them in prayer and scripture memory as well. So we don't want to be passive in those things. We want to be proactive. That's what mature masculinity looks like. So we're called to lead. We're also called to provide. This doesn't mean that that your spouse can't can't help provide for the family, but it means like the responsible the the main responsibility to provide falls on you as the husband. Uh, John Piper says this, when there's no bread on the table, it's the man who should feel the main pressure to do something to get it there. Okay? So we think about uh, even if your spouse works, 
um, and, and, and a lot do now, and that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But if your spouse works and you're raising a family, there are times when she's not going to be able to work, right? And when she ha- you have sick kids or you've recently had a baby, there's just times when she's not going to be able to work. And so providing that bread, that's on you, man, and we need to take that responsibility seriously. Uh, for boys, like how do we think, how do we build this in to our boys to be provided? I think chores are huge, obviously. Um, one thing that's really interesting, I was reading a book called Outliers, and it talks about just kind of like the, the weird things that correlate with success in different aspects of people's lives. So it talks about like how hockey players are all born in January and February and March for the most part because they're the oldest kids in the league starting out. Um, it kind of goes into a lot of details. But anyway, it talked about how farmers, kids who are raised on a farm, are oftentimes there's a higher, I guess, percentage of like CEOs, successful entrepreneurs, people who've been real successful in business who grew up on farms. I mean, why is that? It's pretty simple when you think about it. They're used to getting up early and doing work and working hard and getting work done, and so they get into the business world, and they're like, man, this is easy. All I have to do is, is like, be diligent and, and, and do these things, and uh, success uh, comes along with it. Now, that's not necessarily what we're training up our kids to be. That, you know, we're not as concerned about that type of success, but uh, give them chores to do. Give them responsibilities early on. We also just need to talk about it, right? We need to give, like, explicit instruction that that they're called to work and, and provide for their families moms if if your husband is like the main breadwinner um talk to your kids about that how good it is how we get to enjoy these things that are because of your husband's hard work so just point that out to the kids um so some of us dads need to be encouraged not to work so much some of us are working too hard uh, and the kind of the question is, does your job serve your family or does your family serve your job? And so we need to think about that. Um, we really need to think about how they did this study several years ago, and it was like, how much money does it require to be fulfilled, you know, in the United States? And, and the, the number wasn't astronomically high, and they talked about how is maybe like, an in- a family income of $70,000 or seventy-five. after that amount, there was no increase in fulfillment or happiness or joy in people's lives, even if they were making $5 million a year. And oftentimes there's like a, a decrease. And so uh, we, we're required to meet those basic needs of shelter, clothing, education, transportation, all those things. But after that, that's not a requirement. Okay, it's not a requirement to go on super nice vacations or all those types of things. So we don't need to be pressured into that. And if and if that is driving our work life, uh, then then we need to really think about that. So some men need to be encouraged to work less. Some men need to be encouraged to work harder. Okay, there's some lazy dudes out there, and uh, and if if they're kind of putting all of this responsibility on their spouses uh, to provide for the family financially, that's a problem. They need to be encouraged to get out there 
and make money. And th the problem these days is that there's so many options out there for, for young men. And so they kind of die at the idol of options, right? It's like, I'm going to go to this school, and then I don't like this deal, so I'm going to go to this school. And it, you can spend your whole life swapping careers. And sometimes you just need to be encouraged to, it's time to go earn a living, you know, whatever that might be. And it might not fulfill your soul all the time. You know, the, the myth that, you know, if I find a job I love, you know, it's, I'm going to wake up every day and it's never going to be work. That's just a lie. I, I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't believe it. I think even if you have a job that you really like, there are going to be days when it's just work and it's hard and you come home and you're tired and you don't want to do it the next day. But you have to. You got to get up and go. So, um, some men need to be encouraged in that way. So, men need to know how to provide, how to hold a job, how to handle money, and how to take care of the needs of their family. Last thing, men have this responsibility to protect. And so, that's physical protection and it's spiritual protection. And so, um, we need to be careful about what we let into our households as far as media goes. That's a part of that, right? I mean, we protect our houses with security systems, all these things for the physical protection, but then we're just kind of letting anything in through the Internet. And so we need to think about that. That needs to be something we think about as, as husbands and fathers. Um, so how do we build this into our sons? Okay. First of all, we just talk to them about it. Right from a very early age with Wyatt, we've tried to talk to him about, hey, you don't hurt your sisters, you protect your sisters, okay? And so anytime he physically touches them, that's automatic. We're getting corporal punishment. We're going to have a long discussion about it, right? We don't, we don't hit sisters. We protect sisters, okay? We protect mom. We take care of mom. We're willing to lay down our lives for them. And so we just talk about that early on. I think it's important to do that. Uh, maybe like if there's a little bit of a dangerous situation, like the ball fell in the bushes and there might be like a lizard in there. The, the boy go gets it. He gets it. He doesn't make sister do it, right? Send him. He's, you know, you can always get another one if, if the snake gets him. You know, he'll, it'll be all right. But uh, send the boy. Um, dads, we have to model this, right? So we can't be sending mom. You know, Brooke hates roaches. And uh, I have to go get the roaches, and I don't like roaches either. But I have to go get them. And sometimes we need Wyatt to go get them. We're not there yet, but he's got to go do that. Uh, so just just model that. So real quick, and then we'll finish up putting it all into practice, and we've, we've talked a little bit about this, but first of all, we want to embody this, right? We, we want to be examples as dads. Um, Al Mohler talks about how many evangelical Christians are living in same-sex marriages, and he's not talking about homosexuality. He's talking about men whose roles, that the, the mother and dad, their roles look the same. That's not how it should be. We have different roles. We're built for different things. Uh, so we need to embody these things that we've talked about. Instruction, we have to talk about it. We have to read Scripture. When, when we see this in Scripture, we point it out 
to our voice. Rehearsal, again, we this can be a negative thing or positive thing when, like, if Wyatt hits his sister, we're going to rehearse what he's going to be punished for, it, and then we're going to rehearse what he should have done, right? Another thing that I think is really good, Wyatt take, every once in a while will take Brooke out on a date. So when he does that, he opens the car door for her. He pays for it. He might have to get a little help from Dad to pay for it, but he needs to pay for it. Uh, he needs to escort her, all those types of things. So rehearse these things. Have your boys rehearse it. Um, maybe have them escort the sister somewhere, you know. Even if sister doesn't need the help and can kick his butt, maybe she can kind of play that role. Uh, ins- inspiration. I think this is huge. Uh, books, movies, th- things that can inspirate, ins- inspirate, inspire our boys to be masculine in a good way, put them in front of that. Tell them about like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and, and uh, standing up to Nazi Germany. Tell them about Eric Liddell, you know, who, who uh, went to the mission field and died in the mission field, even though he was an Olympic athlete. Um, tell them about these men who were men. These were strong men, masculine men. But, but served and sacrificed. Uh, so we need to put, put them in front of men like that. And then just find the, find the men in your life who you admire. Put your kids in front of them as much as you can. I think that's really important. Okay, let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for today. Help us to be fathers who lead. Help us to be uh, mothers and wives who encourage the men in our life to lead well and be maturely masculine. And we just pray that we raise up boys who here who will glorify you in that way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.